0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Live from Chickentown, this is the Flopcast episode 608.
1: On Flopcast.net.
0: Yes, yes, hello, Mayor of Chickentown. Hello, Kevin. Here's Felicity, the mayor, filling in for Cornflake. Cornflake, I had to call out sick this week.
1: Well, you know, it's that time of year when we're all getting together (laughs) and gathering and passing germs around, and you know know what happens. We're
0: all diseased. (laughs) All of you. (laughs) No, Cornflake was not quite up to recording tonight. She's getting better. So we're we're looking forward to getting Cornflake back here next week to kick off the new year. This is our final show uh, being recorded in the old year. And I guess technically it comes out in the old year. This comes out New Year's Eve.
1: Yes, it'll be an exciting New Year's Eve gift for you, our (laughs) listeners.
0: (laughs) This will be quite a treat for everybody. What better way to celebrate than with us talking about dead people? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is we we have the mayor on for our memorial episodes plural these days uh, every year because you know about people and things we bring you in as an expert on <laughs> uh, lots of folks that uh, cornflake and I may know less about so so you've been a, a staple I think of all of our memorial shows
1: I think there was one year I didn't make it because I was oh. sick but. oh maybe. Uh yeah, I tend to sit in on these things because I <laughs> I, I know actors and yeah. things that
0: you remember and, stuff better than I, we do.
1: Usually, remember stuff better (laughs) than you do, but not always.
0: Yeah. Well, I kind of cheat because I make the list. Yes, that is true. I know what's going on. Man, it takes a long time to put these lists together, but that's what we have. So, No Whatever Day this week. Uh, National Whatever Day shall return when Cornflake returns next time. So, Cornflake, uh, we believe, will be here for Memorial Show Part 2. We do split this into two episodes. We didn't used to, remember? Oh,
1: man, that was tough.
0: It was horrible. <laughs> Epic right.
1: recording sessions talking about people we have
0: lost Yes, that was rough We finally decided let's break it in half We're going to cover the first half of 2023 And, and we started doing this uh, many, many years ago uh, Just because we wanted to do it right Because yeah. all, all those other shows and magazines They always, like, during December They'll do their memorial stuff And then they miss people
1: Yeah, it's it's they're in such a hurry to talk about who died That they leave off people who may have died at the very end of the year and then do they get to the next year?
0: Probably not. No, no. The people from the end of December just get left out. They miss out on all the fun. It's no fair. (laughs) And I get it, like from a... TV perspective and a magazine perspective, you're, you're trying to sell magazines. Yeah. Like it's during the end of the year is when people want to think about the end of the year. Mm-hmm. By the time January comes around, everybody's kind of moved on. Right. But we don't move on. Where, where are we going? <laughs> we haven't moved on in uh, how many years of this podcast? Going? I'm 11, 12. Wow. I'm, I'm losing count. Yeah. But here we are. And, uh, yeah, we're not going to miss anybody by doing this too soon the way everybody else does. So even though it is still 2023 right now, we're only doing the first half of the year Right. this week. So by next week, we'll be into the new year. We're not going to miss anybody. Um, it's not as deep and crazy and thorough a list as it used to be as well, because I used to just go way over the top trying to include yeah. everybody.
1: <laughs> and you used to, like, organize it by category, not chronologically.
0: Yes. We're working chronologically as we have, I think, the last few years. And so it's, it's kind of people from pop culture and such. Uh, and, and and we don't want this to be sad either. This is more like, let's remember these people and look at what they did, that kind of thing. Have some fun, hopefully. Absolutely. Our tradition as well is uh, anytime we hit a name of somebody that we ever saw live in person, or maybe even met, uh, we, we stop and uh, take a shot. We drink in their honor. I've mm-hmm. got coffee. I've got water. And, uh, and we're hitting the eggnog tonight also. Yes. Taking it up a level this time. <laughs> so yeah, we got Nog. So uh, let's work our way through uh, January through June and starting in January. Now, and we're starting, this is the name that I, I don't think you even know because okay. I, I don't know this name. But this is a guy you'd know if you saw him. This is one of those that guy character actors mm-hmm. uh, named Earl... Bowen. In fact, we, we don't do a lot of uh, mid-show Googling in these parts, but if, if you punch into your Google device over there, uh, Earl Bowen, B-O-E-N, just so you can see the guy's face, you'll you'll recognize this okay. guy. We just saw him very recently, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, of course I know that guy. <laughs> see? That guy. Everybody look up Earl Bowen. Everyone's going to have that same reaction. Oh, yeah, that guy. Earl Bowen was 81. Um, we just saw him recently because he was in a Newhart episode. We've been re-watching Newhart. Yes. The 80s uh, set in Vermont.
1: Yeah, Newhart uh, is on Amazon Video.
0: Yeah, this they, the episode where there, a guy was staying at the inn who was an aspiring writer, mm-hmm. that was this guy, Earl Bowen, who was kind of giving uh, poor Bob Newhart a hard time. You Just know.
1: about every episode is based around some someone, <laughs> either a regular character or a guest giving Bob Newhart
0: a hard time. That's the wacky premise of <laughs> Newhart. Uh, so Earl Bowen did uh, yeah a lot of little character parts like that, a lot of voice work work, tons of cartoon work. Uh, For our purposes, uh, Justice League Unlimited, the voice of Simon Stagg, who was uh, connected to Metamorpho. He was like the the old rich guy that hired Metamorpho originally when he became Metamorpho. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to keep Metamorpho apart from his... his, uh, Hot daughter, uh, who yes, that they were yeah. in love, you know. Uh, that guy, Simon Stagg, <laughs> was voiced by Earl Bowen. Earl did an episode of Otherworld. He was on Benson. He was on Powers and Matthew Star.
1: Wow, all, the, all of the shows that we uh, we watched favorites. recently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, he was a regular on It's a Living, the sitcom with the waitresses, like in oh, yeah. in a fancy uh, mm-hmm. restaurant. He was the manager or somebody. I remember him from that. Uh, and then he was on several episodes of Get a Life. Okay. The Chris Elliott series uh, as the doctor. Anytime they needed a doctor, (laughs) like if Chris did something stupid and almost died, or actually died, as he often did, Earl played the doctor.
1: Yeah, he looks like a a doctor type, but obviously he was an everything type because he was very widely used as a character actor.
0: I also noticed, uh, going through his credits, that uh, he was on two episodes of Wonder Woman. I don't remember him from Wonder Woman, although we certainly saw it because we've seen them all, but he was on Wonder Woman twice, playing a character named Chaka. Huh. Like Wendell the Lost. He may have been a picuni. Weird. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Adam Rich. Yikes. Hmm. Adam Rich, of course. Child star Adam Rich. He was only 54. Uh, had a tough time. He had, man, he had some addiction struggles and yeah. such uh, later in life. But everybody knew Adam Rich as a uh, young Nicholas, the little kid on Eight is Enough.
1: Yeah, I never watched Eight is Enough, but I certainly can picture the kid. I know. Yeah,
0: I didn't watch much of it. And I'd get confused because aside from Adam Mitch, everybody on the show looked like an adult to me. Oh, yeah. It was oh, supposed, yeah. Be, supposed to be like a family with a whole bunch of kids, and they, sure. all, they all looked grown up, so I could never <laughs> figure out what was going on. Uh-huh. I was a very confused child. Uh, he did a voice on the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Oh, He was Presto.
1: Oh, yeah. Presto is a, is a favorite character of mine. Yeah,
0: I know you watched uh, the old... D&D cartoon. Yeah, he
1: was the wizard.
0: He was in a show also uh, post Eight Is Enough. Uh, there was a show called Code Red about a family of firefighters. Oh. And it was Lauren Green, who was oh. like the patriarch, yeah. oh, and cool. uh, our buddy Sam Jones from Flash Gordon.
1: So, was that post uh, Battlestar Galactica? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, this would have been deeper into the uh, mid 80s, mm. I suppose. Yeah, Code Red. Lauren Green, Sam Jones, Adam Rich. There's a show. Yeah. How long did that last? Not long. <laughs> also, uh, Julie Adams, who's the pretty lady in The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah. I think she's Lauren Green's wife. Okay. <laughs> what a cast. <laughs> There's Adam Rich. Melinda Dillon was 83, mm-hmm. and a, a woman that uh, everybody saw in many things. Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a big one that people would know Melinda from. Uh, She's in the 1990 Captain America movie, which nobody saw. I don't remember that specifically. I think I only saw it once, but her credit is Mrs. Rogers. So I guess, is she Steve Rogers' mother, perhaps? Quite possibly. Not sure. She was in Harry and the Hendersons, the Bigfoot movie.
1: Yeah, I, I never saw that, but I can, I can picture the, the cast.
0: She would have been Mrs. Henderson, I mm-hmm. suppose, uh, Lithgow's With wife. John Lithgow, yeah. Maybe the biggest credit, though, A Christmas Story.
1: Yeah, oh, the mom in that. Sure. Absolutely.
0: Yes. You'll My- shoot your eye out. Melinda Dillon, that's right. Everyone's going to shoot their eye out, according to Melinda. Uh, oh, from the Nasty World of Classic Rock, Jeff Beck was mm. 78. Twice inducted in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah? What was uh, the— a Solo yeah. inducted, and also uh, the Yardbirds.
1: Oh, the Yardbirds. We talk about the Yardbirds a lot just because the, <laughs> a Yardbird is, is is a chicken. Yardbird
0: is a chicken, that which I guess means technically Jeff Beck was a chicken. Yes. In addition to being a fantastic guitarist. Yes. Jeff Beck. Carol Cook was 98 starred in I think some of the post I Love Lucy shows with Lucille Ball Mm. like Here's Lucy and the Lucy Show and whatever. I never watched any of those. Yeah, yeah. She was in all those. I think Uh, she's in Sixteen Candles maybe the grandmother. I'm Ah. I'm not sure Uh, but also most importantly Mrs. Limpet from the incredible Mr. Limpet. Here's Mrs. Limpet. I didn't know there was a Mrs. There was a Mrs. Limpet. It's Carol Cook. Does she also turn into a fish? Yeah, yes. Yes, she absolutely does. (laughs) Whenever they get around to that sequel, you'll see Mrs. Limpet as a fish. I predict Uh, Charles Kimbrough was eighty six, and he was a regular on Murphy Brown, which I was not a big Murphy Brown fan. I never watched it. Strangely, I saw many episodes of it, even though I always thought it was kind of lame. But he was like the main like newscaster kind of dude, like Mm -hmm. news anchor guy. You know, my problem with Murphy Brown is they'd always insert the name of a real news person. And that made it funny. Oh. Someone would come running into the room and say, oh, sorry, I'm late. Uh, Connie Chung was mud wrestling Charles Carole down in the lobby. And um, then the audience screams with laughter. So it was just like name dropping yeah. and insider. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. (laughs) This guy was on Murphy Brown. And and, uh, I especially made a note of him because he was married to Beth Howland, who played Vera on Alice.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're also watching Alice.
0: Uh, Robbie Bachman was 69, as in the Bachman-Turner overdrive. He he was the drummer. Okay. A couple of Bachmans in Bachman-Turner overdrive. And I know... Tal Bachman, who
1: was the son of yes. one of them, who was a musician own, in his own... own his own son. hit
0: song in the 90s. She's so hot. I saw Tal Bachman. You did? I saw Tal Bachman opening for Bare Naked Ladies once. That yeah. checks out. Jealous. <laughs> I am a bit. Uh Julian Sands. This was oh, a weird one yeah. Remember? He disappeared and We spent and, the yeah. whole year looking for Julian Sands. Julian Sands was 65 and yeah, disappeared. He was out hiking. Yeah. And then uh never came back. Yeah, that's very sad. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a,
1: he's a great actor.
0: Yeah, and did a lot of interesting stuff. He mm-hmm. was one of those kind of not a straight leading man. He took like the weirder parts. Mm-hmm. I know he was in Oxford Blues with Rob Lowe way way back in the 80s, but but then kind of like Naked Lunch did the kind of interesting... Weirder movies yeah. beyond that. I associate him with. Was he in a room with a view? Perhaps. Uh, Boxing Helena. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> Sherilyn Fenn. I don't think I saw it either. I remember it sounded freaky and weird. And, I think uh, he
1: was in a movie where he played either Byron or uh, Percy Shelley in, in one of those like uh, gothic I wanted to say. Okay. A movie called Gothic.
0: Uh, 24, the Kiefer Sutherland series. He did a season of 24. Everybody did a season of 24. Everybody, Everybody of 24. wound up on 24. Uh, in the nerd world, that we live in. Uh, he was on Gotham mm-hmm. as uh, Gerald Crane, who was the father of Jonathan Crane, the scarecrow. Interesting. Yeah. And also on Smallville, he was Jorel.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow. He has a good voice for that. I mean, British, you know. Sure. Yeah, but everybody from
0: Krypton <laughs> has British. a British accent.
1: <laughs> well, they also they used Terrence Stamp in Smallville
0: as well, didn't they? Yes. Was we'll he? I think he'd be like the voice of Jor-El. Oh, okay. But then they, had actual, oh, they had actual Jor-El. Okay. was Julian Sands, but, I, I think. It's yeah. been a long time. But of course, Terrence Stamp was also
1: General Zod, so it's cool that- uh, Yeah. That they used him.
0: They got everybody on Smallville. Mm -hmm. Chris Ford, take a drink. Chris Ford was 74. He was uh, one of the Boston Celtics back Mm. in the 80s. He was a player. The first uh, year that they won the championship with Larry Bird, 1981, he was on the team. And then he became uh, an assistant coach uh, during that mid-80s run when they were Mm -hmm. still winning all the time. And then eventually the head coach of the Celtics. And I definitely remember going to games and seeing Chris Ford. So we can uh, take a shot because there's a guy that I saw in actual real life playing with your local Boston Celtics. I think the Celtics are good again. That's really? what I heard. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't even name a player these days. I, I You know, I don't keep track of sports. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I used to be a major Celtics fan back in the Chris Ford era. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a drink again for David Crosby.
1: Oh, I'm really jealous that you got to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I
0: actually. sure did, just barely. David Crosby was 81, uh, also twice inducted in the Hall of Fame, of course, with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and with the Birds. And yeah, one of the times I went to see uh, Late Night with David Letterman, Mm -hmm. music guest was Crosby, Stills and Nash.
1: Yeah, that's I guess that's one of those bands that I I wish I'd seen. And of course they they had fallen out with each other and weren't performing together anymore. But uh, my that's one of the artists that my parents were always playing when I was a kid.
0: Sure, your hippie upbringing.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, (laughs) I I heard their self titled uh,
0: debut album. Many, many, many times. I remember, though, after they did their song, and it was like an early 90s Crosby, Stills, and Nash, so it was like their mm-hmm. new song at the time that nobody knows. Sure. Sounded great, though. They they just come out and do it. And, you oh, know, they, yeah, those harmonies can't be beat. They sounded great. But when, when they came back from commercial, Letterman said, like, you hear the, the name Crosby, yeah. Stills, and Nash. you think, like, okay, that's good. That'll be good. And, goes, and then they come out, and it's those guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know the name means one thing, but then you see them, and it's like, wow, they're it's really
0: them. <laughs> they're, they're here. There. Ginger Stanley was ninety-one, actress, model, and stunt woman. And well, we were just speaking of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Julie Adams, mm-hmm. you know, who worked with <laughs> Flash Gordon on Code Red with, yeah. with Adam Rich. So Julie Adams was the woman in Creature from the Black Lagoon on land. Mm -hmm. You know, she's the star of the movie. The swimming scenes, this is the stunt double who was actually in the water with the creature. Oh, wow. That was Ginger Stanley. And uh, she was also a professional mermaid at that freaky, I think it's in Florida. There's like a weird tourist place where there's actual mermaids swimming around.
1: Yeah. And you watch
0: them. (laughs) So she was doing the mermaid act and then also (laughs) was the uh, stunt swimmer. With the creature, Ginger Stanley. Lance Kerwin was, man, he was only 62. I remember this guy from his show. He had a show in the late 70s, James at 15.
1: Yeah, you've mentioned that show to me, and I've heard of it, but I don't really know anything yeah, about it. Yeah, it was
0: called James at 15. It was like a, a kid. It's set in Boston, mm-hmm. filmed in Boston, okay. I believe, which was unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was James at 15. then they, He actually turned 16 during the short run of the show. They changed the name of the show to James at 16. Uh-huh. But it was just sort of a dramatic series of, about a kid, like a, a troubled teen oh. in, in Boston. Wow. It was a good show. did not last long, though. Uh, He did an episode of Shazam. He did an episode of Wonder Woman. He did Mm. an episode of Bionic Woman. So he made the rounds of all our favorites. Lance Kerwin. Cindy Williams.
1: Oh. Was
0: 75. Yeah, you want a heartbreaker. There you go. Yeah. Come on. That's Shirley. Shirley Feeney. I know. Laverne and Shirley. Major part of our childhoods.
1: Yeah. I mean, I...
0: (laughs) I watched that pretty religiously for oh, a while. Me, every episode,
1: <laughs> even after 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 they moved to LA and then Shirley left. Yeah,
0: yeah. The final season, she was only in maybe a couple of episodes, and then mm-hmm. she quit. The whole last season, it was still called Laverne and Shirley, yeah. but <laughs> but suddenly it's just Laverne. Uh, yeah, the show it kind of got worse and worse as it went along. Yeah, but, one of those but, shows that went on uh, went on too many seasons. Absolutely, but she was great oh, on absolutely. it. They they were a terrific. Comedy team, even though I think yeah. that, I think they hated each other as well. They, they, oh no, really? They, they did some feuding. Although okay. I think they were cool. Eventually, that they yeah. they made up. But they were a fantastic comedy team, physical comedy as well. Yeah. That they did so well. So she was a, a terrific comic performer, and especially to to you know mix it up with Penny Marshall. Yeah, Penny Marshall's
1: a, a force to be reckoned with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no sure. small feat, and she could do it. She even uh, pre-Laverne and Shirley, pre-Happy Days, sort of. Uh, she was one of the stars of American Graffiti. Uh-huh. Which I say sort of pre-happy days because it's a weird history between American right. Graffiti and Happy Days, and it has a lot of the same people in it. Yeah, and they're, it's, they're very they're kind of overlapping. They're very intertwined. Projects. They kind of created each other. Yeah, oh, strangely, yeah. yeah, they really did. It's a really it's a weird story if you look into mm-hmm. how it all went down. But yeah, she was in American Graffiti, which is a great great movie. Yeah, with George Lucas, of mm-hmm. course. And then uh, famously, I think she was one of the people who auditioned to be Princess Leia. Oh. Sure. Which it's it it's cool. That, yeah, it's interesting trivia, yeah. but it's also everybody yeah. that type that look in sure. Hollywood. You know, who knows how many women auditioned to be Princess Leia? But it, it's cool that Cindy Williams was in the mix and that she had a history with uh, with George Lucas mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, she was terrific. Lisa Loring was only sixty four. This is the original Wednesday Adams. Oh, okay. Original nineteen sixties Adams family. Yeah, which I never really watched.
1: I never watched that or The monsters. Yeah, I,
0: I was all in on The monsters, but okay. Addis Family, I didn't really bump into it often, hmm. flipping through the TV as a kid.
1: Yeah, I, I saw the, the movies when they
0: first started doing those and enjoyed yeah. them. Well, there's the original Wednesday. Now there's a whole new like Wednesday Adams TV show now. There I is. Think. I haven't checked it out. I have certainly not seen that. I never even saw the movies. I guess I've seen very little of, of any. <laughs> oh, the
1: movies were Adams. the movies with Christina Ricci in the role were, were yeah. quite... Where I, I really enjoyed those. That's good.
0: Never saw them. I know everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. Tom Verlaine was 73. This is the guy from Television, one of those acclaimed oh, the, yeah. bands out of the CBGB scene. Yes. Yeah, I know a little bit of them. Yeah, and Television is, is this is like the band that you always. They're always on that list. They say, oh, CBGB's, it's Blondie, it's Talking Heads, it's Ramones, Patti Smith, television. Uh-huh. But like, television's the kind of forgotten band. Like, they never broke yeah. commercially, but one of those real critically acclaimed bands uh, with uh, the album Marky Moon. You, mm-hmm. Critics have just drooled over television and that album all these years, but uh, most people have never even heard it. So, kind of a lost classic, but that was the guy behind television, Tom Verlaine. Annie Wershing. Annie Wershing was only 45. That's so sad. And yeah, I really knew her from... Bosch yeah and 24 before that she was on 24 as well that's yeah. right I always forget that
1: but yeah they they at the the most recent season of, of Bosch legacy they had a, a tribute to her at the beginning
0: yeah because she was in the first season I think and a little bit of the second yeah third. she had a recurring role after that a little bit yeah and uh yeah, yeah very cute lady. yeah very distinctive look redhead yeah yeah and she was very good on the show kind of a a woman who really shouldn't have been a cop. Yeah, and definitely
1: a problem. <laughs> Bosh was though.
0: trying to gently get her out of a Bad tro- situation. Trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Annie Wersing. And then uh, we got to throw in for Cornflake. Uh, she- Cornflake would know her, I'm guessing, from Picard, Star mm. Trek Picard. She was the Borg queen. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't either. I haven't seen Picard. Everybody take a drink for a wrestler cuz you know I know the wrestlers of the mid 80s WWF wrestling and this is Leaping Lanny Poffo was only 68 cuz you I, know you know wrestlers die yeah
1: young. I I've never heard that name before
0: <laughs> Yeah Leaping Lanny Poffo and he was kind of a mid-level guy like mm-hmm. he wasn't one of the little, the nobodies that just gets beat up every week on TV but he wasn't one of the big major stars either so kind of in the middle and yeah Leaping Lanny Poffo they called him cuz he do a very acrobatic Mm. Flipping all over and jumping all over the ring. Comes from a wrestling family. His father was Angelo Papo, who was okay. a wrestler way back in the day. His brother, Randy Papo a.k.a. Randy Savage. Oh. Macho man Randy Savage. And which they never acknowledged okay. in the WWF yeah, sure. back then. WWF, they, they'd only tell you what was part of the official story. Right. <laughs> so they never acknowledged the relationship between Leapin' and Lanny and uh, macho man Randy Savage.
1: Interesting. You'd think if it was like wound up being a good gimmick to have the brothers that they would have used oh, yeah. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, which sometimes they would do that kind of uh-huh. thing as well. But yeah, if there was a storyline for it, they would have worked it in. Yeah. But it didn't suit their purposes, so they just kept <laughs> We'll <quiet>. ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Lanny Poffo would write poems and recite poetry in the ring before the match. He'd write these little goofy rhyming poems, oftentimes kind of making fun of his opponent to okay. get the guy angry with him before the match would start. And he would also have little Frisbees with him. Sometimes, like I think he'd have Frisbees with his poetry written on it, and he'd, <laughs> he'd throw Frisbees out to the audience. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. In the late 80s, he did uh, a heel turn. Oh, Which is, you know, when the, sure. good, when the good guys go bad, heel turn. He changed his name to The Genius and he would show up in the ring wearing a cap and gown. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Funny guy. Leapin' Lanny Poffo. Burt Bacharach. Yeah. Big was one. 94. Well, that's a good innings. Where do you begin with Bacharach? Oh, we saw
1: Elvis Costello in concert this year, and he certainly mentioned him because they had, they had worked together
0: famously. They worked together a lot, yeah. They did the the whole uh, album "Painted mm-hmm. from Memory." There was a big collaboration between Costello and Bacharach. Yeah. and, and I'm we a, saw a Costello nut, so that's where he really got yeah. my attention.
1: And uh, we watched that Dion Warwick documentary this year,
0: yeah. And of course, he was he worked with her a lot. All those classic '60s Dion Warwick songs mm-hmm. are amazing, and yeah, he was just such a genius songwriter.
1: Absolutely, I'm very. Dist- you know a Burt Bacharach song when you hear it. Yes,
0: yes. And I, I remember uh, Elvis Costello in interviews about working with Bacharach, mm-hmm. talking about how uh, like he kind of treated the notes, the melody of a song, as a story. He thought of like what each note would reveal huh. to the listener in an interesting I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Like, like Elvis would go to play a note and he'd say, like, no, don't give him that note yet. Interesting. Yeah, like that'll be a surprise later in the song. Wow. <laughs> yeah. that's a, certainly,
1: I mean, a songwriting genius, I don't even pretend to understand, but that's... that's oh, a, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to have their own kind of well, quirky yeah, way of it, looking it,
0: at it. it. It's an art, so he, yeah. he had his own way of doing it. And uh, he was the best. Uh, from the world of comic books, uh, just wanted to quickly mention Lee Motor. And Lee Motor was only 53, super mm. young, young uh, guy. His big comic book... Credit though, uh, he was the artist who co created Stargirl. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, with a uh, writer, Jeff Johns, you know, who yeah. based, Jeff Johns based Stargirl on his own sister. Oh. Uh, so it was a very personal character for him. But yeah, Lee Motor was that original artist on Stargirl, Courtney, who then became a big TV, <laughs> TV yes. star. That was a good show.
1: It was one of the DC shows that didn't have a chance to go completely off the
0: rails because yes. it didn't last long enough. It didn't have time to get lousy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like all the other ones. But it was it was good. I did <laughs> I it. like Stargirl. Raquel Welsh Ooh. was eighty two. And Raquel Welsh I feel like was a little before our time. She was her Hollywood heyday. Yeah. Like by by the time I was aware of her, that would that just be a name that people would throw around? As yeah, like oh, famous yeah. beautiful woman. Yeah, Kel Welsh. Like sure. I just knew her for being a famous beautiful woman.
1: Yeah, I saw her in a few things uh, just because I came across some some older movies. But she was in the uh, the Three Musketeers ah. adaptations
0: that Richard Lester did with yep. uh, with Michael York. I know you're a fan of those. Like I, re- I remember seeing her on Letterman in the mm-hmm. '80s. Think like she might have she might have been doing like exercise videos, like Jane Foster. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, pretty sure, she, I'm pretty sure. she Sure. <laughs> Oh similarly Stella Stevens was mm-hmm. 84 and I think that's another one of those actresses who would just kind of be around uh-huh. by, by the time we were yeah. like like there she is on the love boat you know she would just pop up everywhere Sure. Uh also we 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 also saw her on Newhart recently. Okay. <laughs> she she was like the famous actress that uh Dick Loudon Bob Newhart's character was going to work on her biography. Yes. Yeah. And then she tries her. to seduce him. Yeah, she does. <laughs> that was Stella Stevens. Uh, oh, Richard Belzer. Yeah, seventy-eight comedian and uh, actor, Richard Belzer. He was a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangely, I never saw Richard Belzer. I used to see like all those eighties comics yeah. Yeah. back then. I, I never got to a, a Richard Belzer show, but he one one of the main forces in the the rise of the stand up comedy scene of the of the seventies in New York City, yeah. and then in acting, I, I think he he's best known for that character i can uh, john munch was his character's name like he played a detective okay. uh, on homicide yeah but then they kept he, having him play that same character on other shows
1: uh, i wasn't quite aware of that but i didn't yeah. know he was
0: in a lot of those crime shows yeah well he did um homicide was the main one i think but then law and order mm, and then, yeah but then they uh, it became like a gimmick they started having him play the same character on a whole bunch of different shows, he he popped up on X Files as yeah, that same that's character. The,
1: I, didn't, I didn't know that I must have seen him on that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think of him more as an actor just because he was ever present on television. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But did, I didn't
1: realize it was all the same character.
0: Did a lot of stuff, and yet often playing <laughs> the exact same character. It got to be kind of just a, a wacky gimmick, mm-hmm. uh, but funny guy. I certainly would see him do stand up on HBO or whatever back in mm-hmm. the day. And uh, kind of a conspiracy nut, also. Well, that
1: explains why you showed up on the X Files.
0: <laughs> That's true. You fit right in. <laughs> oh, we're going back to the creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow! Again, why does it keep coming up? Well, Rico Browning mm-hmm. was ninety-three. Uh, we mentioned uh, Ginger, the lady who was uh, the stunt woman in the water. Mm-hmm. Rico Browning was the creature from the Black <gasps> Lagoon in the water.
1: Okay. He was the swimmer. The, when he's stomping
0: yeah. around up on ground, carrying the girl around, that yeah. was another guy, Rico. <laughs> How many guys were in the suit <laughs> in the water? Okay, I think we're out of people who were in the, the creature the, from the black. The movie. main characters of the classic Universal movies. Okay, I don't think there's anybody left at this point. Yeah, <laughs> these two must have been must have been the last ones. Yeah, that's a good movie though. I mean, it's a really good yeah, movie. It, it holds up. Yes, absolutely. So Rico Browning, uh, you know, did the stunt swimming, mm-hmm. but also became the guy to direct underwater scenes in things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he'd be like a second unit director Uh on other movies and TV shows where there's underwater action going on. I mean, he worked on Flipper.
1: Oh, that's neat that you can
0: kind of parlay (laughs) your expertise into another area. He worked with a dolphin. (laughs) That's exciting. Shooting Flipper. But also he worked on a couple of James Bond movies, Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff like that, and perhaps most importantly, Caddyshack. Okay. There's uh, a swimming pool scene in Caddyshack. So so there's your Caddyshack swimming pool director. I don't care
1: if it didn't involve the gopher.
0: A segment of Caddyshack was directed by the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's my point. I find that very important. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Hamer, or Robert Heimer, I I never could remember how to pronounce it, but uh, from Barnes & Barnes.
1: Oh. So he was the the partner of He was Barnes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess
0: was, I walked into that one. It was Art and Artie Barnes. It mm-hmm. was Robert Heimer and Billy Moomy, of course. Mm-hmm. Bill Moomy from Lost in Space, and yeah, man, that was sad that uh, we lost. One half of Barnes and Barnes, who Mm -hmm. brought us fish heads and a million other weird, weird songs. I guess I really only know fish heads. Yeah, I I have some of their records. Uh They made a lot of weird songs. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a holiday record. There's a Barnes and Barnes holiday album. Do they do like traditional holiday tunes? No.
1: Why would would I ask that? Of course they were not traditional.
0: (laughs) So yeah, very important in uh, the world of uh, novelty music, which we are a part of, I think. And just this year, just a few weeks ago, I think uh, Bill Mooney released a new record, and not a Bill Mooney record. And Bill Mooney has had so many different bands and different projects over the years. This was not a Barnes & Barnes record. This one was billed as And Barnes. Oh. Yeah which is kind of funny. Kind of sad. <laughs> sad, but I love that he did that. Yeah. So yeah, Barnes and Barnes, very important to us. We do enjoy fish heads. Here is a big one for us. Uh, speaking of Flash Gordon, how about Topol?
1: Man. Topol. I mean, Topol meant a lot to me before I ever saw Flash Gordon because of Fiddler on the Roof, which I probably watched Dozens of times. I mean, that's wow. that, that's a musical film that I had in heavy rotation. And then I think that he is my favorite thing about Flash Gordon because he oh, takes wow. it so seriously. Yeah, he, he's just—it's such an intense performance, and he just like he just goes for it. And they construct a whole sequence around his life that he watches go backwards as All they're right. draining his mind. I think yeah. that's that just like. That's like another level
0: that weird to that movie. That fast forward backwards. Yeah. All his memories of his whole life. Yeah. Boy, that's that weird.
1: I Yeah. I I love that performance. Oh,
0: sure. I think that's the only thing I've ever seen him in. I mm-hmm. didn't see Fiddler on the Roof.
1: I mean, yeah, Fiddler, He he's, he's the lead in the movie version. Uh, uh, Zero Mostel originated the, yeah. the role on Broadway, I think. So I, he's, I
0: only know Topol from Flash Gordon. All right. Dr. Zarkov, right? Or Professor Zarkov? Yeah, Professor Zarkov. Yeah,
1: yeah. The one who detects the attack on Earth from
0: Ming the Merciless. Lures Flash and Dale into the rocket ship. Yes. And then off they go. It's all his fault that they go to Mongo. Oops, we're going to Mongo. Um, (laughs) But what fun we all had there. Oh, it was delightful (laughs) with uh, our friends, our close personal friends, Sam Jones and Melody Anderson.
1: I guess I would say it's a tie between Topol and Brian Blessed uh, in that movie. Both. Very large personalities, and Brian Blessed's a, an institution in, in Britain. <laughs> At least Topol got to
0: wear pants. That is true. No pants for the Hawk people. <laughs> Bert I. Gordon was a hundred, and this is a name that I know only because of Mystery Science Theater mm. 3000, but he was a director. Of a whole bunch of goofy old science fiction movies. Cool. And so they would often watch Bert I. Gordon movies <laughs> and they started commenting on his name. They'd always yeah. they'd start just mentioning Bert I. Gordon. Well,
1: I is a weird middle. Yeah, it's
0: such a weird name when you throw a capital I into the middle of it. Yeah. And so the, the name would always kind of pop out. He did uh, the main credits they list here are Village of the Giants, Empire of the Ants, mm. and uh, oh, a big one from uh, MST The Amazing Colossal Man. Okay. There's the big giant bald guy. Yes. A classic Bert I. Gordon with the capital I. We all live in a capital I. Do
1: we know what the I stood
0: for? Uh, Iggy.
1: <laughs> okay. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> also from the world of uh, novelty music, Napoleon the 14th. Okay. Yeah, I know that name. Was 84. This is They're Coming to Take Me Away. Oh, ha. of course. Another massive all-time greatest hit of the Doctor Demento show, and this was really his one-hit wonder. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows much of anything else about Napoleon the Fourteenth. That's what he gave us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, Lance Reddick. Going back to Bosch.
1: Yeah, and uh, he, and every a lot of things he's in Lost. He was in Fringe.
0: Lance but, Reddick was sixty.
1: Yeah, just a great character actor and a great presence and just very striking and, you know, always very
0: serious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really know him from, I think only from Bosch, mm-hmm. but he's the, the chief, police yeah. chief, police chief Irvin Irving. <laughs> yeah. He was amazing on Bosch.
1: Yeah. Very, very good performance in that. But every, every time I've seen him, he's been very good.
0: Yeah. And, and has a little tiny part in the, the latest uh, Bosch legacy season.
1: Yeah. Again, they, gave a tribute to him at the very beginning, but he, they did film a, a small scene with him that shows up in the season.
0: Yes. John Mengadi was 68 and uh, was a regular on the White Shadow I believe he was one of the stars of Meatballs Part 2. Oh. So, yeah, we talked about his work here on the Flopcast when we did all the Meatballs sequels, mm-hmm. each one worse than the last <laughs> a few years back. But he was a uh, flash. He was like the, the lead kid in Meatballs 2 who has, has to have the big boxing match at the end. Oh, wow. Know, to oh. save the camp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's this guy. And also very important for uh, us from the Facts of Life, when we were doing the backs of life, covering yeah. all the backdoor pilots, he was in uh, the Joe's cousin backdoor pilot. Oh yeah, Joe's family with Megan with follows the young girl with all our yeah. her uh, cousins. Yeah, he was one of the one of Joe's cousins. Okay, and we haven't finished the backs of life yet. No, backs of life kind of uh, went off the rails, but we're gonna get yeah. back on <laughs> back on track and finish out backs of life in the new year. Here's a weird one, Bill Saluga. Was 85 That's a name that nobody knows no. But everybody knows What this guy did uh, He was a uh, sketch comedy guy A million years ago mm-hmm. uh, Was part of the Ace Trucking Company uh, Comedy troupe, legendary comedy troupe From going way back, 60s, 70s, I guess uh, But his character This is Raymond J. Johnson Jr. Oh, good grief <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You know that guy
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah I <but> mean you- <laughs> I always wondered where he came from.
0: Um. <laughs> it just kind of grew out of doing sketches and improv and nah. stuff. He started doing that, and then it just kept getting longer and longer, and people went out of their minds over that, that bit. But the, this is the You Can Call Me Ray guy, yeah. which just, we were a nation obsessed at some point, like circa late 70s. Someone
1: was obsessed, and he kept showing up in things, and I did not
0: get it. it I, I, Nobody could understand <laughs> Nobody knows what happened, but this is the you can call me Ray guy. Yeah. You don't have to call me Johnson. And yeah, I mean suddenly he was doing beer commercials. Yeah, like Pizza Hut commercials, and perhaps. Yeah. All the commercials. Yeah. He'd be on talk shows. He'd he'd be everywhere all the time. There was a disco song. Of course there was. They made a Ray Johnson <laughs> disco song Why at am the I time. Not surprised? <laughs> but just a few years ago. They started talking about him on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. Like that seems oh, yeah. to be like the sort of guy that they would be obsessed with. Yeah, they started talking about him, and they were like, "Is he alive? Could we find him?" And then, like two weeks later, he w- they had him on the show. Like they, oh. they tracked him down, and apparently, he was very confused when they started talking to him. And they were like, "Oh yeah, we do this show. We interview people," and they were like, "We've had Dick Van Dyke on," and he was like. What do you want me on your show? (laughs) But yeah, did he he know what a podcast was? uh, Probably not. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe he thought he was doing the radio. Who knows? But he came on, and Bill Saluga, and from what I read, he was just always up for doing that bit. (laughs) You didn't have to draw it out of him. Wow.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> so, that's cool. It's a, it's better than like hating ha- hating what you're known for yeah, your whole life.
0: Like 10 seconds into the podcast, yeah. he was doing it. He did the whole bit. <laughs> so I, I salute that. I like those weird characters yeah. that we know for a weird reason. <laughs> so that is You Can Call Me Ray Bill Saluga. Here's another weird comedy guy. Mark Russell was 90. Remember the Mark Russell comedy specials on PBS?
1: I remember seeing ads for them. Yeah. He was like a, a satirical songs. Yeah. Like po- political yes. satire.
0: Yes. But really corny and goofy and stupid. Yes. It wasn't like biting, savage commentary. It right. Was he wasn't, just-
1: yeah. And he wasn't like Tom Laird talented. No. He was like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> middling, middling talent. <laughs>
0: but this was for decades. Yeah. Like every few months there'd be a PBS Mark Russell comedy special and it was just a guy at a piano. Mm-hmm. It was all red, white, and blue. Like a red, white, and blue piano. The whole set was decorated and it's just a guy doing goofy... Politically themed comedy songs based on whatever was in the news like that week.
1: Literally, uh, all I can remember is him doing a parody of "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," but I don't remember <laughs> who he was, who it was about. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I remember one or two specific little bits of lines here and there, but I, I watched more of it than I should have. <laughs> and by that, I mean, I probably watched 10 minutes of him, but that sure. even that, that was too much. Uh, <laughs> but he did what he did for a long, long mm-hmm. time. So people liked it. Mark Russell. Here's another wrestler, but I, I don't think I ever saw this wrestler in person because uh, I was kind of fading away from the wrestling scene as he was just coming in. But uh, in kind of the late 80s, they added a tag team from New Zealand called the Bushwhackers. Oh,
1: okay. And it was just
0: these two goofballs would come out, just big, goofy New Zealand guys. Mm-hmm. They were the Bushwhackers. Bushwhacker Butch was 78. Okay. Oh, we can take a drink, though, for Vivian Trimble, who was only 59. Vivian was the keyboardist in Luscious Jackson.
1: Okay. You yeah. saw Luscious Jackson? I
0: saw Luscious Jackson. I saw Luscious Jackson at Great Woods opening for R.E.M. Okay. This would have been, I'm going to say, 1995. That's, that checks out. And they were cool. Lester mm-hmm. Jackson was a cool band, but they didn't really have the songs. At least what I heard of them, nothing really stood out. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, they sound cool, but like, where's where's the song? Where's the hook? You got to yeah. give me something. I need a Burt Bacharach melody. Right. Yeah, I I, I don't know anything that that they did. (laughs) To draw me in. They sounded cool, though. I think Michael Stipe, I remember that night during the REM set, he said, we want to thank Luscious Jackson for being here. They're the coolest. Mm -hmm. And I think he was right. One of the other girls in Luscious Jackson used to be in the Beastie Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Early Beastie Boys, before they got famous, there was a girl in the Beastie Boys, and then she went on to be in Luscious Jackson. I don't think it was Vivian, though. Okay. Somebody else. But there you go. Uh, Oh, here, take another drink. Take a big drink right now for Al Jaffe. Yes. Hang on, everybody. Al Jaffe was 102. Man. (laughs) And was actively cartooning for most of that time. Yeah, he he really uh, kept at it. The Guinness Book of World Records, I think, has him with the longest Career as a cartoonist because oh, cool. he was a professional cartoonist for I don't know eighty something years something like that
1: yeah and you think of him as an old guy or uh, you know oh yeah for the last couple <laughs> decades I mean I he mean, was I guess
0: so. yeah I mean Al so Al Jaffe from Mad Magazine yes people know Al Jaffe best well for two things for the for the fold in mm-hmm. inside back cover of Mad Magazine the fold in you fold yes the page. that was the best. Brilliant. To make a surprise picture would appear when you fold the page in. And just such a brilliant piece of cartooning and it's like, how did he do that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> another little...
0: Uh, he was a genius. Mm-hmm. Al Jaffe, and to to not even throw that word around too lightly, Al Jaffe in the world of cartooning was a genius. And yeah, the fold-ins were amazing. And then he did snappy answers to stupid questions, mm-hmm. which I loved. <laughs> Which you can apply to real life yeah. as well, because there's plenty of people asking very stupid questions everywhere you look. But that was one of my favorite bits in Mad yeah. as well, was the Al Jaffe snappy answers to stupid questions, which got referenced in Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Was there, there was a scene yeah. where the, the the teacher is... a. Uh, criticizing each of the boys' picks for what they're going to write a book report about. Yes. <laughs> One of the geeks selected, and she reads it right yeah. out on the air, Al Jaffe's Snappy Answers to Stupid Questions. <laughs> I bet that was Bill. I would read a book report about Snappy Answers yeah. to I had books of the because they do... <laughs> sure. It, oh, yeah, compilations. Was, yeah, it was in the magazine, but then they do little paperback books. I had those books mm-hmm. of Al Jaffe. I have several Al Jaffe books. I mean, Al Jaffe was American, but his parents were from Lithuania, Lithuania, uh-huh. and his mother moved back to lithuania oh and al and his brother would travel back and forth between america and lithuania when they were little kids oh man they were kind of pulled back and forth oh. between two worlds yeah and this was like it was like the 1800s this little village where his mother would would bring them in lithuania like they had no electricity wow. it was yeah it was wild and yeah i read his uh autobiography Mm -hmm. several years ago and yeah so his life and his work is amazing his life was amazing and you met him i got to meet him i think one of the very first episodes of the flopcast i (gasps) talked about meeting al jaffe because Uh that was right after there was a boston comic-con yeah where they had uh, al jaffe it was a they did did a mad reunion at boston Mm -hmm. comic-con we had al jaffe we had paul coker yes from all the uh, Rankin bass specials and Al Feldstein was mm-hmm. there also. The three of them were there together. I was so excited to yeah. so meet Al Jaffe. In fact, every time I'd walk by the uh, their tables where you could meet them, and uh, mm-hmm. Al Jaffe was never at his table. Okay. I kept checking. He was never there. And then I finally went to the talk that they did. They, mm-hmm. they did a little Q&A panel talk, the three of them together. And I didn't want to do it because like, I don't want to bother the guy. Up at the stage, at the front of the panel room. But I'm like, he's never at his table. I got to go meet Al Jaffe. Yeah. (laughs) So I just stomped right up to the front of the room to uh, to meet Al. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. Because I, again... Never saw him at his table. <laughs> but a very sweet guy. Uh, our friend Sarah and I, when Al turned 90. Mm-hmm. That uh, was, wow,
1: that was that long ago? Yeah, I can't believe Sarah,
0: that. our friend Sarah, who, who's been on the Flopcast, yeah. Sarah and I designed a birthday card. Based on snappy answers for, for stupid questions, mm-hmm. we sent it to Al Jaffe, and, and he was nice enough to uh, write back.
1: I didn't realize that. Yeah, That's really yeah. sweet. Yeah,
0: we got a thank you card back from Al Jaffe. How nice. And when Al turned 100, it happened again. Whoa. I sent him a card. He sent me a thank you card back. <laughs> I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. So an absolute treasure in uh, cartooning, Al Jaffe. Harry Belafonte just a kid compared to Al Jaffe mm. at a, a spry young 96 only recently inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame yeah, yeah <laughs> Strangely, that's surprising yeah. yeah just just a year or two ago <laughs> they inducted
1: harry right because he's i remember seeing him on the muppet show and uh, sure. but certainly you know he was kind of Popular before our time, but I certainly yeah.
0: knew the Banana Boat song and all that. I got to say, not a fan of the Banana song.
1: Not a great song, but <laughs> pretty awful. <laughs> it mentions a tarantula too, which <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> there's another song he did on the Muppet Show that that uh, was good. We can, we can oh. go and watch that on a uh, on Disney Plus. Oh,
0: then there's uh, Jump in the Line that they play at, oh. the,
1: at the end of Beetlejuice. Yeah, actually, that's that's one of there my favorite parts of Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, that's better. Now we're yeah. back on board.
1: Yeah, that is that Harry. is a fun song.
0: Yeah, while Winona Ryder Mm -hmm. dances in in midair. Yeah. Um, One of the key figures behind organizing USA for Africa. Yes. Yeah, he had a big hand in that whole project, even though in the actual song and music video, he's one of the guys just up in the chorus. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get a solo, but he was there and he he was a big part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. He had a song, uh, Dr. Demento would often play uh, his version of There's a Hole in the Bucket. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He did a very funny live, there's a live version, you know, Harry, and I don't recall who the woman is that he sings it with, uh, you know, Dear Eliza and, yeah, yeah. and, and Henry. <laughs> I
1: also, I know that song, my my experience with that song is also Muppet
0: related. I, for, I think it was on, I forget who it, it was Sesame Street or The Muppet Show. But All your experiences are Muppet related. Yes. But that's good. Do we care about Jerry Springer? no let's move on <laughs> well jerry springer was 79 and uh, i'm a fan of the weird al bare necked ladies parody jerry springer yes let's leave it at that and move <laughs> on and so let's return to the bachman turner overdrive because, oh no uh, tim bachman okay was 71 guitarist of bachman turner overdrive what were their hits you're a classic rock person what do i know from bachman turner overdrive were they taking care of business? They were taking care of okay. business. Not oh, one no. of their better ones, I would say. But <laughs> are better ones? Um, oh, are they ain't seen nothing yet, or is that yes, somebody else? They also are. ain't seen nothing okay. yet. Okay. Well, let's stick in the classic rock world or classic music of that era at least, because Gordon Lightfoot, oh, was eighty-four. What do we like from Gordon? Oh, I know all the songs that they list here. Uh, his top credits, according to uh, Wikipedia, would be Sundown. I mm-hmm. know that one. Sundown. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yep. If you could read my mind, yes, yeah, I know all three of those. Yeah, he has, he has kind of a look at me, a
1: smooth, mellow voice. I probably know even more of them. Probably, yeah, kind of you, <laughs> kind of easy listening. Yeah, folky stuff
0: sounds good. Yeah, all right, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Going back to the world of wrestling, but I don't think I ever saw this guy live. Superstar Billy Graham was seventy-nine, and he was really big in the seventies. Big, well-built guy, Mm -hmm. long blonde hair, would wear capes and stuff, and was really a major influence on on Hulk Hogan. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can Uh, see that. And on Jesse the Body Ventura. Mm. Jesse really kind of appropriated his his look (laughs) and his act. But then eventually they were all working together because in the mid to late 80s, they brought superstar Billy Graham into the WWF. But he was kind of older at that point Mm. and was dealing with injuries, and I I don't think he actually lasted long at that point Mm. in the WWF, but a major guy just as things were starting to ramp up in the world of wrestling, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, Ray Stevenson was 58, and I did not recognize this name, but he's got a couple of solid Marvel Comics nerd credits, mm-hmm. so I thought we better include him. He's in the Thor movies as Volstag, who's one of the Warriors 3 okay. from Asgard. And then he was also in uh, – he was the Punisher in uh, the Punisher Warzone movie he was Frank Castle, which I don't think I ever saw Was the that movie. like the
1: original one that they did? Yeah, yeah. That, I know they did was, the series with the guy from Walking Dead. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. This was before that. Yeah. This was, uh, I think, like 2008, like the same time that Iron Man Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there was a, a Punisher movie that nobody saw. Yeah, I don't know so, that character. All right. Ray Stevenson. He's He was the Punisher, and he was uh, one of Thor's guys. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tina Turner. Yeah,
1: that Tina. was a big loss. Yeah. Tina was 83. Yeah, there was a good documentary about her that we watched. Excellent as well.
0: documentary. Yeah. yeah, check out the Tina Turner documentary. Everybody want to learn about Tina. Yikes, what a life she had, yeah. and, and a lot of rough years, difficult times, mm-hmm. of course. Such a talent, She's amazing, yeah, I mean, just just absolutely incredible, queen of rock and such. Every superlative you throw at her is appropriate. Simply the best. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, also mm-hmm. from We Are the World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and from Beyond the Thunderdome.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always think of the line in, in The Commitments about her.
0: What did they say about Tina in The Commitments? Oh, there,
1: there were, uh, the guys were, were saying how Joey is old and, and making fun of the girls for hooking up with him. And, and one of them says, You do it with Tina Turner, and she's a granny. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's also in uh, The Who's Tommy, Oh, which is a uh, oh, yeah. weird, weird movie. She's the, the acid queen.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that, that's one of those people that, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, I should have gone and seen a Tina Turner yeah. concert at some point, never did, because she would do these massive stadium shows. Yeah, really, look, really a hard-working, yeah. hardworking artist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tina. Uh Miko <laughs> was 83. Miko was I thought it was a band but apparently it was a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh Miko was responsible for the disco hit version of the Star Wars theme. Oh okay. Like the, Yes. Yeah. I had this record. Miko put out a, re- a record. I had a cassette of course of uh, Star Wars and other galactic funk by Miko. Did it have like the
1: cantina theme Yes. Yeah, I remember some of that. I mean, I certainly remember the disco Star Wars.
0: Yes, this was by Miko. I had it on cassette, and I actually have it on vinyl now.
1: Wow. Just because
0: I was at Rubber Chicken Comics one day flipping through their weird vinyl selection. I didn't even know they had vinyl. And there's the Miko Star Wars record. And I think I, you know, it was probably like a dollar or yeah. so. You know, <laughs> and we don't have a turntable to play. Though. We don't even have a record player. <laughs> but I love the art so much. Oh, like, cool. I had the little tiny cassette yeah. art of it, but now we have the full vinyl version. It's a beautiful cover, and it's not real Star Wars. Sure, they it's didn't, like have, big they Star didn't Wars. have. Yeah, they didn't have the rights <laughs> to real Star Wars characters, so it's just this kind of generic guy and a girl in outer space and mm-hmm. spacesuits, disco dancing. It's fantastic, mm-hmm. and then he also did. Christmas in the Stars, the Star Wars Christmas album. Okay. Which is very, very strange, you know, also from the early 80s. Yeah, I don't think I know that. I've heard bits and pieces of it. It's pretty wild. And it's perhaps best known because uh, that Christmas Star Wars record from Miko was the first uh, professional recording of John Bon Jovi. As a singer? Yes. Wow. Yeah, well, Bon Jovi's uncle was a record studio guy. Uh-huh. Had a studio or something. So I guess that I guess this album was recorded by John, John Bon Jovi's uncle. Okay. like, uh, hey, John came in and sang on "R2D2 We Wish You a Merry Christmas." Okay. Yeah, I need to hear that. I think you do need to hear that. <laughs> All thanks to Miko. Uh, and sticking in the world of music, we have Cynthia Weil, who was 82, and an amazing songwriter. Mm-hmm. Crazy pile of credits on uh, Cynthia, such that I thought we had to include her. And another one of those husband-wife songwriting teams mm-hmm. out of the Brill Building Yeah, <laughs> back in the day. Like Carole King and sure. like Burt Bacharach, yeah. and they they were all in there. Yeah. Neil, Neil Diamond, Yes, she was part of that scene. Back in the day, her husband was Barry Mann, and mm-hmm. Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil together. Uh, I've got a list—a crazy list of songs here. This is a very, very incomplete list. Uh, here you come again, Dolly Parton. Yep. Somewhere out there, Linda Ronstadt. Runds Linda oh, Ronstadt, yeah. James Ingram, mm-hmm. and and don't know much. Linda Ah. Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville wrote them both. Uh, Just Once, James Ingram and Quincy Jones uh, wrote some Monkees songs. Sure. Well, Kicks, which was Paul Revere and the Raiders, but the Monkees later covered it. Mm -hmm. But then she also did Love is Only Sleeping and Shades of Grey.
1: Oh, Shades of Grey is a classic.
0: Yeah, for the Monkees. Running with the Night, the Lionel Richie song Mm -hmm. uh, on Broadway that the Drifters did. George Benson Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I remember the uh, Nell Carter version Of that song from Give Me a Break Uh, Thank you The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation song (laughs) Was hers It goes on and on Uh, Righteous Brothers, You're My Soul and Inspiration Oh, And You've Lost That Love and Feeling Oh man Yeah, it's ridiculous She wrote everything Cynthia Weil was 82. Pat Cooper was 93. This was a comedian. This was like an angry, screaming, old-timey comedian. Uh, he appeared on Seinfeld once, so okay. mo- modern audiences would remember him from one episode of Seinfeld. And I, kn- I knew him from The Stern Show. He, mm-hmm. he would come on Howard Stern all the time. and They liked to just let him on, and just he would just, he ramble, just yeah. ramble, yell and scream like a crazy person for their amusement. Going back to wrestling, take a drink for the Iron Sheik. Sure, I know that name. You know Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik was eighty.
1: That's that's an advanced age for a wrestler. That's
0: very old in wrestling, yet yeah, man, wrestlers tend to die mm. young. Those guys have tough, tough lives. Iron Sheik was eighty, and uh, he was a real wrestler, uh, okay. and and he was really from Iran. Okay, <laughs> you, you never know with those guys. Yeah, still yeah, just, they could
1: completely make up. Yeah, they their make up their make character up a
0: backstory. Yeah. yeah, for the character. Yeah, he really was Iranian. And I believe he was an Olympic wrestler, like he was a real wrestler Mm -hmm. before going into into the wacky world of of, uh, pro wrestling. So, yeah, he has an incredible uh, life story. There is a documentary about Iron Sheik, which is quite good. Mm. And yeah, back in the 80s, it was the tag team. It was the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov Uh from the Soviet Union.
1: Sure, they were the axis of, of evil. They
0: tended to whatever. get booed.
1: Yeah, you would think. So. Well, wouldn't, didn't Nikolai Volkov make everyone stand for the yes. Soviet National yes, Anthem?
0: Yes, the announcer would go, Ladies and gentlemen, Nikolai Volkov requests that you all rise and respect his singing of the Soviet National Anthem. And they are—they oh, were waving flags around. and it was I can't believe they didn't get murdered. <laughs> uh, they were very, very funny and very, very talented wrestlers. They were tag team champions at one point back mm-hmm. then. Iron Sheik was the world wrestling champion uh right before Hulk Hogan. Oh wow. Yeah, they used Iron Sheik to make the transition to Hulk Hogan. Like oh. they they let Iron Sheik be champion for like a month just so that he would be the guy to lose the title oh. yeah. to Hulk Hogan and that was 1984, I guess. Just as that as that Hulk Hogan era mm-hmm. was beginning. Iron Sheik made that transition. And yeah, very funny guy. I saw him wrestle in person several times. I think in later years, I, I saw him at an autograph show or two as well. And he he became very popular uh, for social media posts. Oh, really? Like he would just post crazy stuff on the internet all the time. And it was very funny. And I'm not sure if it was really him or if, okay. he, had, if he had people yeah. you know running his account for him or whatever. But either way.
1: Yeah, you kind of like it when... Someone from the past turns up again on and winds up being a social media genius. Yeah,
0: like Dion Warwick did, you know, yeah. or, or does, you know, similarly. Yeah. Uh, John Romita Sr. was a, a very, very important comic book artist. Uh-huh. John Romita Sr. was 93 and uh, best known for his work with Marvel Comics uh, back in the 60s and 70s. But he goes way back to, I think, to the 40s, 50s. He was a, one of the early comics artists. And he uh, worked for DC, I think, in the 50s, doing the romance comics. because oh. Because he could draw pretty women, uh, which many artists were deficient in that area. So he, he was a romance artist guy. Okay. But then also, he he could draw anything. So he was very successful in the, the superhero comic book renaissance of the 60s with Stan Lee. Uh-huh. And when Steve Ditko, the artist behind Spider-Man, when Steve Ditko stepped aside from Spider-Man, this was the guy that Stan Lee tagged to take yeah. over spider-man and it flourished under john ramita senior like steve ditko was a very weird artist so mm. spider-man was a very weird looking comic book in its early years mm-hmm. under john ramita suddenly it was a beautiful comic book because he was a wonderful wonderful uh, illustrator mm-hmm. so like that, the famous uh, shot of mary jane Saying, you know, face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Yeah. That's the John Romita panel mm-hmm. from Spider-Man. Yeah, so he could draw pretty girls like that, and, and he could draw anything, and was one of the top Marvel artists for uh, many, many years. And he's John Romita Sr. Uh, these days, there is a John Romita Jr., also hugely successful comic book artist. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Kept it in the family. Nice. His, his son is a fantastic artist who also worked a lot for Marvel. Uh, Treat Williams. Yeah, was 71. Um, I
1: certainly know him best from Hair, the the movie version of yeah. the musical. And uh he was also he's in a lesser known movie that that's a favorite of mine which is called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard of that.
1: Yeah, it's I I told you about it before. It's it's yeah. it's named after a Warren Zevon song that they use at the very end of it. But that's a that's a quirky interesting movie and uh he was he was one of the main characters in that. This is one of those
0: guys, I know the name, mm-hmm. but I could never tell you anything he did. It's just mm-hmm. one of those, oh, yeah, Treat Williams. Sure, yeah. actor. Like Wingshauser. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, one of those names. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But what did he do? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, the hair, the, the movie version of Hair is also one that I watched a lot and was mm. one of my mom's favorites. And it's wow. it's, it's actually, I, I don't know the stage musical. I know the movie is very different. But it's actually very affecting and, and the, the ending of it where his character... Goes off to Vietnam and and dies is very moving.
0: Yeah, never saw. That. I've I have seen the live musical version of Hair.
1: Yeah, with naked people.
0: Yes, <laughs> not a lot. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I understand. There's there's nudity. In I
0: this, went to so. a little local like college mm-hmm. production of Hair. There's a girl that used to perform at my old open mic night back in the day, back in the nineties, and she was in college mm-hmm. and she was starring one of the stars of this production of Hair. And she was like, "You got to come see me." And mm-hmm. So, so I went to uh, see that. So, not not the kind of show that I would tend to uh, show up for. But right. I went to, so I did see a production of Hair, like a quarter century ago or something. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, I don't think she was naked in it. There were, I think, a couple of naked dudes ran through the room at one yeah. point. <laughs> uh, There's a
1: lot of great songs in that movie, and the uh, Nell Carters in it, and the, Nell
0: Carters in it. Yeah, Beverly D'Angelo. Oh yeah, I knew Beverly was in it. Sure, from Vacation. All right, Treat Williams. Oh, hey, we're at the end of the list for the first half of 2023, and we're ending on Alan Arkin. Was Alan Arkin, eighty nine.
1: Yeah, he's he's great, funny character actor.
0: I've not seen him in a lot, but I've seen him in a few things here and there. And uh, uh, *Slums of Beverly Hills*. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the dad in that with yep. uh,
1: with uh, Natasha Lyonne. Yes. Um, a movie called *Little Miss Sunshine*. Oh yeah, I didn't he see was, that. Yeah, he was in some classic movies the the in-laws mm-hmm. with Peter Falk yep, is yep. a classic. Uh, Argo? Argo. Yeah, I did I did, I did actually see Argo. Yeah.
0: And then his son uh, Adam Arkin yes. is an actor as well from Northern Exposure. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what I mainly know <laughs> yes. him from. Keeping it in the family just like the yeah. John Ramita family. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the end of the list for part 1. Well, we got
1: through the first half and I didn't I didn't see any of those people in person.
0: Well, maybe someday you will. <laughs> Oh wait. <laughs> so we're, yeah. we're gonna continue this next week. We're gonna go July through December. And as we record, December isn't even over yet. But right. it will be by by next week.
1: But we will we will make sure to catch anyone who uh who we lose in the last few days of twenty twenty
0: three. No one's gonna get left out unless we don't like them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is not <laughs> by any means comprehensive. It's people oh, who no are, it's not people who are in our uh, Sphere of, uh, of interest. I
0: hack this list down so it's as short as I can possibly make it. And so that's what we have done.
1: And I just leave it all up to you. So. Oh,
0: yeah. I spend the whole year. I'll, I'll tell everybody. I, I keep a list going mm-hmm. all year just on my own. Yeah. Anytime somebody dies, I add them, add them to the list. But then at the end of the year, I go through the Wikipedia death list, which is massive. Like for every day of the year, there'll be like 50 people listed. Sure. And it, and it's like a rugby coach from Madagascar, yeah. it's a, everybody in the world is on the Wikipedia list, so it—it's a project. Yeah. Uh, reading through the whole list and, and uh, right, but, just but,
1: hoping that you'll catch you'll catch a name
0: that you yeah that you but, know. But I do it because sometimes I'll miss somebody. You know, mm-hmm. if I, if I'm just depending on just whatever I happen to catch as the year goes by, I could easily miss somebody. Yeah, you know who a great source is. Oftentimes, the first. Place I'll hear of someone dying is uh, our buddy Mike Gordon from Earth Station One.
1: That is right. He is on top of it, and he always does like a nice little tribute post on Instagram. Yeah,
0: everybody follow Mike Gordon on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a little quote from the New person, Legend, Mike, and and several uh, photos. Uh, for any time there's a celebrity death. And often he's so quick that, yeah. that that's often where I learn that someone died is from Mike's posts. Yeah, me too. But all right. So we're, we're going to wrap this up next week with Cornflake on board, mm-hmm. I believe. We might even have to backtrack a bit if we uh, went over somebody this week that Cornflake wanted to uh, share her thoughts about. We'll take care of that. But for this week, we should stop. This is going on pretty long i think we're almost out of eggnog oh, and no. can you wrap up the show cornflake style
1: yes so uh you can find the flopcast on itunes leave us a rating or review that would be very appreciated our site is at flopcast.net we can be found at facebook.com slash flopcast on instagram we are the underscore flopcast and on mastodon Universadon.com slash at Flopcast. Music for the Flopcast is written and performed by the Sponge Awareness Foundation.
0: And Cynthia Weil never wrote a song for the Sponge Awareness Foundation. And uh,
1: neither did Bert Bacharach.
0: Neither did Bert Bacharach. And if you look at our track record for hit songs, that that, that checks out. (laughs)
1: All right.
0: Uh, Okay, Mayor of Chickentown, thanks for all You join us every year for the memorial show, but you're filling in for Cornflake at the same time this week. So nice job. Everybody, hope you enjoyed our look back, part one. (laughs) Look back at the first half of the year. Let's wrap this up next time. Meanwhile, everybody, please be safe, be kind, be silly, and we'll see you next week. Bye. here inviting you to join Cletus jacobs and i every week as we dive deeper into the dawn of dc we review dc comics television movies and more we're excited to finish the final season of doom patrol return to sweet tooth for its second season and check out the netflix series bodies get all your dc news on the earth station dcu podcast part of the eso network It's the secret after show. We should make this like the shortest secret after show in history uh, because the show is already pretty long. Sure. Uh, You know, we'll just make a note of what we would normally do right now. Traditionally, the final flop cast of the year, the secret after show, the final secret after show of the year, we read through a list of every secret after show for the whole year.
1: So I bet it's usually the longest secret after show. Yes.
0: It's way too long. I get Uh nervous that people are going to find it. (laughs) Because it's too, Although the last couple of weeks it's been pretty long, because we've been running those weird Joe Crow monologues. Yes, that's been uh, <laughs> that's been interesting. I hope all you after show listeners have been sufficiently freaked out. By- <laughs> by the special holiday Joe Crow monologues. I love those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, uh, we're going we're to save that for next week. Right, because Cornflake I enjoys that. Cornflake loves reading through the subject of every after show for the whole year. So we're going to kick that back to uh, next week, which means this week we're doing nothing. We got nothing.
1: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon, or by shopping at the Tee Public store, which can all be found at ESOnetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.